So Matt, uh, I was in Texas last week and me and Ashley and Michael had gone to the Texas State Fair. It's what you do when it comes around. You oh, know? yeah. And um, so we're driving back from the fair and, you know, it, it's dark outside and, and Michael's sitting in the back and Ashley and I are talking and I guess Michael had been looking out the window because he's like, hey, and we're like, yeah, he goes, I can just imagine someone sitting on the moon up there and it's, you know, kind of a crescent moon. And we're like, oh, yeah. And Ashley goes, what's he doing? Michael's like, ah, he's fishing. And she goes, really, what's he fishing for? Now, you know me, takes a lot to catch me off guard with a joke because I know usually know what's coming or I can kind of plan it out. So you got to catch me off guard for me to really find it funny. So I'm sitting there in my brain going, what what could he be fishing for? What in the world could this guy be fishing? What's Michael going to say? And Michael goes, he's fishing for starfish. <laughs> I was like, oh, crap. Oh, he got me. I had no idea what was coming. He got me. So man on the moon fishing for starfish. That's right. That's a good yeah, one. It, it was. I was. I was proud. So you ready to do this? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Three, two, one. Now. Wait, no. Now? Okay, okay, there it is. All right. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the graveyard. Thank you for joining us tonight. My name is Adam. And my name's Matt. Now, pull up a tombstone or settle into your casket and get comfortable. Because this is Graveyard Tales. <laughs> oh, right. Matt, how you doing tonight, brother? I am good. I'm I'm ready to raid some candy bags. Yep, there you go. And it it is the day for it. Now That's right. granted, we are recording this early because Matt and I both took a vacation. This month, so we had to record this a little bit earlier, early so that we could do that and that y'all would not miss us in our regularly scheduled programming. Um, but as of now, it's Halloween. Yep. But you may, we may say some things that make you go, wait a minute, this isn't Halloween. <laughs> yeah, we're recording a little we bit kinda, early. We so. kind of lose track. So. Yeah, our our brains don't time travel well, and we're having to time travel. That being said. We're recording this prior to the live event, so we don't have any updates or anything for you, but we will next episode, so hold on. We'll give you updates then. While we were on vacation and everything, uh, Matt went one place, I went another. It's not like we vacationed together. Matt doesn't want to see me that much on vacation. <laughs> That's our time away from each other. I, you know? I, had, to, I had to fight a hurricane, man. You did, man. You had a, a <laughs> lot more... Uh, Epic of a vacation than I did. I'm telling you, it was it was pretty scary. We we managed to get out, um, and move about 120 miles away. Right. Wait until it passed, and fortunately, where we were staying was uh, you know unharmed. Yeah, so and that's good. We got to go back, but I mean, it, it, looking at the pictures and everything, it was. I feel so bad for for those folks. Yeah, I mean. It was it was brutal, but yep. 
All in all, the vacation, it was an adventure, but pretty good trip. That's good, because uh, Ashley and I were worried about you there. You were right <laughs> in the path of it, so Whew. we're glad y'all got out. I've never looked at the Weather Channel app so much in my life. Yeah, no kidding, right? <laughs> uh, we we had it on just watching, because we knew y'all, y'all were down there, so we were watching like, okay, are they leaving yet? Because yeah. it's heading yeah. right toward them. Um, but yeah, our... Thoughts and prayers go out to everybody affected by Hurricane Michael. And, you know, we we hope everybody can rebuild quickly. Yeah. But on to some lighter topics, we, uh, I went back to Texas and I got to actually meet some of our listeners over at the Ethos Group. So I wanted to shout out to everybody there at the Ethos Group. Hey, everybody listening. Yeah, hope y'all thank are, you. Hope y'all are listening to this one and this is not the one you decided to skip. Because that would be kind of awkward. <laughs> yeah, like, we're not going to listen to this one. You know, we're not listening to that one. I'm. This is actually the one that I say hey to all of y'all. So That's hopefully right. y'all are listening to this one. Um, and we appreciate you. Uh, it was good to meet all of y'all. Um, and we'll be meeting more on the live event that is after we're recording. But before this goes out... Time travel. We will yeah. have met more of you. There you by go. By the time you're listening to this, that's a good way to say that because <laughs> I messed that up. Um, but since this is technically Halloween, um, we have a little bonus for you guys. So check back in later today. You, you probably noticed this is not a Friday, and that's this right. episode is going up. Well, that's because it's Halloween, and we love Halloween. But check back in later today for a little bonus on your feed. That's right. So not going to tell you when. Just keep looking. Keep checking. With all that being said, Matt, why don't we take a quick break before we get into the episode? Okay, so we wanted to just take a minute and tell you about two awesome guys who we have the privilege of calling friends. And that's Scott and Forrest over at Astonishing Legends. Yeah, Astonishing Legends was the inspiration for our show. Mm-hmm. They dive deep into many subjects that we touch on, but they have their own unique in-depth research style. Right. And, you know, they cover a wide variety of episodes, but some of my favorite are the Jersey Devil, Gobekli Tepe, and the Yeti. And all of these are multiple part episodes so that you can be sure that you are very well informed on the topic. Yeah, and you know, I just finished the episode on the 37th parallel, and it is so fascinating. Oh, dude, yeah, it really is. So if you are not subscribed already, please go check them out on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher and subscribe. And we promise you will love Astonishing Legends. Hey, Matt. Do you know who our sponsor is this week? Who's that? It's Robin Hood. And no, not that Robin Hood. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Because Robin Hood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos, all commission-free. And they strive to make financial services work for everyone, not just those with a lot of money. Exactly. And I have historically stayed away from investing because I feel intimidated by all the options, the lingo, and everything. But Robinhood is a non-intimidating way for stock market newcomers to invest for the first time. I was able to get signed up and start investing in literal minutes. No exaggeration. Just enter some information and you're up and running. You know, one great thing is Robinhood has no commission fees. 
Did you know other brokerage companies charge up to $10 for every trade? But with Robinhood, you get to keep all your profits. And it has super easy to understand charts and market data. You can place a trade in just four taps on your smartphone. And you can learn how to invest as you build your portfolio. And Robinhood is giving Graveyard listeners a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help you build your portfolio. So sign up at graveyard.robinhood.com. Again, that's graveyard.robinhood.com. All right, Matt, we're back. So what are we talking about tonight? Okay, tonight we're going to be talking about some Halloween traditions from around the world. How people celebrate Halloween a little bit differently than we do. Right. You know, how they look at the holiday, you know, what what it signifies to them. Um, it's, it's a lot more than kids dressing up and going door to door in other countries. Right. So we're going to be going into some of those things and, you know, I don't know, Adam, do you have any Halloween traditions that you, uh, you like to keep? Uh, turning the porch lights off, <laughs> avoiding the creepy kids that come to my door. See, Adam can do that. Right. I can't. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I got, I got I got kids coming out my ears and, you know, our neighborhood, man, we get so many kids. We ran out of candy one year and we bought a ton of candy. Yeah. I remember there uh, a year or two that I was over there and we, That's were, right. we were trying to play cards against humanity and <laughs> kids kept coming to the door. I know. <laughs> you know, it was ridiculous. Kids everywhere. I just yeah. go hide in the back of my house with the porch lights turned off. Yeah. And yeah. I'm thinking about putting an electric fence up, but I don't think the neighbors would like that. Yeah. <laughs> no. But, uh, but yeah, we, I mean, we really like Halloween. We decorate our yard mm-hmm. and we've got a industrial size fog machine. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we fog up half the neighborhood <laughs> and, uh, you know, we've got strobe lights and projectors and all, all kinds of stuff. And it's just, it's just a lot of fun. Um, but in some countries, it's more than that. Yeah. You know, it's fun, but there's there's a meaning behind what they're doing. Exactly. You know, um, so we're going to talk about some of those places tonight. Um, and Adam's going to go into a little bit of history of how this all started. Right. You know, how, how did we start doing all this craziness where we dress up and go door to door and get candy and bob for apples and all that kind of stuff? Adam's going to share some of that with us. Yeah, now, believe it or not, it didn't start um, with the, the first guy dressing up as a sexy witch, you know, sexy thousands witch. of years ago, dressing up as a sexy witch. And, <laughs> but let's get into kind of where it started. Now, the word Halloween literally means hallowed evening, and it was known to early European celebrators as All Hallows Eve. And Halloween falls on October 31st because of the ancient Gaelic festival of Samhain. And some of y'all may be saying, Adam, you pronounced that wrong. It's spelled S-A-M-H-A-I-N. So I've heard a lot of people say Samhain or Samhain or whatever. In Gaelic, the research I've done, it's Samhain. It's like S-O-W-I-N. That's how you would pronounce it. So. but don't give up because 99% of the time, if you tell Adam he pronounced something wrong, he probably did. 
Yeah, I mean, just keep, not not this time. Yeah, keep telling me that because I I guarantee you I mispronounce stuff all the time. <laughs> I do it too. This time though, I'm right. It's Samhain. Now, uh, it came from that Gaelic festival, and it was considered the earliest known root of Halloween. And it occurred on that day as well. So that's why we continue this tradition of October 31st. Now, it marked a pivotal time of year when seasons changed. But more importantly, the observers believed that the boundary between this world and the next became especially thin around this time, which enabled them to connect with the dead better. And here in a minute, we'll get into more of the Samhain traditions and all that and We'll dive into a lot, you know, deeper into more of what we're talking about. So many people were said to dress up as saints, and this is going back, you know, a few hundred years. Uh, many people were said to dress up as saints and recite songs or verses going door to door. Children would also go door to door asking for soul cakes, which is a treat similar to a biscuit. Um, soul cakes originated as part of the All Souls Day holiday on November 2nd, but it eventually became a part of Halloween night as the concept evolved into trick-or-treating. As for the costumes, they kind of evolved too. Um, they started out as the tributes to saints, but then the whole costume thing kind of fell out of tradition altogether um, until some young Scottish and Irish pranksters, in quotes, got the idea to dress up in scary-looking garb as a way to spook unsuspecting neighbors. And so then these, quote, local hooligans were kind of what started the whole scary Halloween costume because it just bloomed from there. Local hooligans. Local hooligans. That's a that's a direct quote from this website. So <laughs> don't get mad at me, hooligans. Please don't get mad. Um, now, it obviously is a popular holiday in America, um, but it almost didn't make it across the Atlantic. And that was due to the Puritans. The Puritans were very disapproving of the holiday's pagan roots, as one would imagine Puritans to be. So they didn't take part in any of these celebrations. But once Irish and Scottish immigrants began to arrive in greater numbers in America, the holiday actually started to make its way back into the zeitgeist. So you can thank. Irish and Scottish immigrants for what we know as Halloween today. Yeah. Thanks guys. Yeah. We, uh, we love you for it. <laughs> um, now let's dive a little bit into Samhain. Um, you know, Ireland is often considered to be the home of Halloween because of some of the things we talked about before, but these Celtic and pagan festivals have gone on for 2000 years over there. Nowadays, Irish Halloween consists of like a bonfire, party games, and tricks played on friends and neighbors, and they eat a traditional fruitcake called barmbrack bread, and it's usually filled with coins, buttons, rings, and other small fortune-telling objects. But Samhain originally, you know, let's go back to the origins of Samhain in the pagan tradition. This day marked the end of summer and the harvest and the beginning of dark, cold winter, which is a time of year that was often associated with human death. So the Celts believed that on the night before the new year, the boundary between the worlds of the living and the world of the dead became blurred a little. 
So on that night, which is October 31st, still is to this day, they celebrated Samhain. And they believe this is when the ghosts of their of their dead returned to the earth. So they could contact them. In addition to, you know, causing trouble and damaging crops, the Celtic people thought that the presence of otherworldly spirits made it easier for the Druids or the Celtic priest to make predictions about the future. So for a people that were entirely dependent on this, you know, the volatile natural world, these prophecies were very important and they kind of comforted them and gave them direction for the coming year and to make it through the dark winter. So, you know, they believed that the the ghosts could cause issues with their, you know, the remainder of their crops, what they had in storage and all this. So they did things to protect against that, but it also allowed their druids to communicate a little better. So to commemorate the event, the Druids would build a huge sacred bonfire where the people gathered to burn some crops and animals as sacrifice to the Celtic deities. During the celebration, the Celts wore costumes, typically consisting of just animal heads and skins, and they attempted to tell each other's fortunes. Yeah, so, don't forget your goat legging. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, so that that's kind of you know the start of the costume and the dressing up. Yeah. Um, you know, I was just thinking, so you mentioned that barn brack bread. Yep. You know, I imagine that, uh, November 2nd is a busy day in Ireland at the, at the pediatrician's office. Oh yeah, sure. All these kids passing coins and yep. rings and stuff that yep. they've eaten. They're like, I didn't get a coin in my piece. There was 85 cents in your piece. <laughs> what, what do you mean you didn't get a coin? Yep. Yeah, the coin is one thing. Imagine trying to pass a ring, you know. Yeah, it's right. Like, it's well, not so bad till I get to the diamond. There's a <laughs> in in New Orleans still to this day. I know there's a um, they do a baby cake. Um, yeah, the king cake. The, yeah, um, and that baby is little. Yeah, it is. So you could very easily choke on that thing. Sure. So that that's kind of the uh, barn brack bread is kind of where that king cake thing came from. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I'm gonna. You're gonna eat the prize. Yeah, it's like know. just imagine if you dumped an entire box of Cracker Jacks in your mouth and you swallowed the prize. Right. There was just wait a couple days. There was several <laughs> stories um, over the years of people trying to propose, and they would drop the ring and food, and the woman would eat it. Uh huh. Yeah. And then they're like, "Wait a minute, you just ate the ring," and she didn't believe them, so they went to the ER and got an X-ray, and sure enough, there's the ring in the intestine. So she had to wait till it passed, and then the guy could propose. Yeah, and then the wedding invitations were like a picture of the x-ray. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Printed on brown paper. So when the celebration was over, the the Celtic people would go and relight their hearth fires that they had ex- extinguished earlier in the evening, and they would relight them from the sacred bonfire, and that would help protect the home during the winter months by bringing the sacred fire into the home. Now, by 43 AD, the Roman Empire had conquered the majority of Celtic territory. Now, in the course of the 400 years that they ruled the Celtic lands, two festivals of Roman origin 
were combined with traditional Celtic celebration of Samhain. The first was Feralia, and here we get into things that I'm going to mispronounce. Um, a day in late October when the Romans traditionally commemorated the passing of the dead, and the second was a day to honor Pomona, the Roman goddess of fruit and trees. The symbol of Pomona is the apple, and they incorporated that celebration into Samhain, probably explains some of the bobbing for apples tradition yeah. that we have to this day. Um, but, you know, you can kind of see how over the course of hundreds of years, Samhain has started taking on different little additions that kind of add up to what we know now. Yeah. And as we go, you know, as I give you a little more, Matt gives you a little more, you'll kind of see all of these kind of mold into what we know now. Yeah. I mean, you know, and every holiday is, is like that. You sure. Know, they, people keep adding to, I mean, you know, when I was a kid, Halloween was orange and black. If it was Halloween, it was orange and black. And then at some point, like this weird lime green color started yes. working its way in there yeah. and now purple. Yeah. I don't know. Well, you know, purple is the color for witches. Right. So I can almost see, and I guess green is just kind of a, you know, zombie cre creepy color that, yeah. that green slime colored green. Right. You know, so, you know, we've changed it. And, you know, even the costumes, mm -hmm. like what my kids wear to go trick or treating. I wore what essentially was a, a vinyl apron mm -hmm. with a plastic mask yep. with a elastic string on it. Right. For years. Mm -hmm. You know, you go he to the store. Does. Hey, look. Well, yeah, I still got a few. I was Gene Simmons <laughs> one year. I yeah. was like C-3PO. Right. You know, it's easy. You know, 12 bucks at Walgreens and you. Yeah. It's in a box. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's what everybody wore. Well, you know, and, and since we're on this tangent, um, some of the changes that I've seen over the years, you know, as a kid growing up, all the. All the decorations that had skulls and skeletons on there, they were scary. They had, you know, it, it looked like an actual skeleton, actual right. skull. Nowadays, I would say 80% of what you find is a smiling skull or yeah. a, a skull going, making some weird face. Yeah. I'm sorry, bones don't do that. Bones yeah. don't smile. Bones don't make a, a kissy face. Yeah, friendly. And, Friendly witch, friendly yep. ghost. It, it's become super friendly and and polished up, and they've got sparkly this and sparkly that. And I have a hard time finding actual the truly horrifying stuff. Exactly, it, it's very <laughs> difficult. And believe it or not, Michaels has a lot of that here. You know, I don't know the if, craft store. Yes, I don't know if anybody. You know, wherever you're listening, I don't know that you know if you have a Michaels around, but here. It's a crafting store that has uh, material and sewing stuff and all that. But believe it or not, if you want some cool Halloween stuff, go to Michael's. Yeah. Because they legitimately have it. Don't go to Walmart because they've got the ones blowing bubbles and, you know, with a sparkly headband on. Yeah. We've got a bulldog skeleton. That's awesome. That I, I think we may have gotten there. I've got a, uh, just sitting down there is a little beagle yeah, skeleton. They, yeah. So, but. Tangent. Sorry, we do that yeah, occasionally. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, <laughs> we'll get tangenty later, I promise. Um, so if you were to 
now want to celebrate Samhain modern day, you know, you can't do a lot of what they did really um, different time, all that. So how do the pagan Celts or anybody who wants to celebrate Samhain celebrate now? Well, we, we found some stuff that you can do, you know, and I, I didn't copy all of these down because we'd be here all night. Thank God. Right. So we're going to hit some high points of how to celebrate Samhain nowadays. They say take a nature walk, you know, take a meditative walk in a natural area near your home. Observe and contemplate the colors, aromas, sounds and other sensations of the season so that you're basically taking in the autumn season and the change of seasons. Um, Set up an altar. If you're new to the tradition and you don't have a permanent altar in place, you can easily set up. Because everybody's got one. Yeah, I mean, everybody's got an altar. (laughs) Uh, You can easily set up a table to leave in place for the three days prior to Samhain, and you can decorate the altar with symbols of late fall, such as skulls, skeletons, grave rubbings, and ghosts. Wait a minute. Symbols of late fall are are skulls and grave rubbings? I'm reading from a... (laughs) I'm I'm reading this, Matt, don't... when you, when you search fall decorations on Amazon, I don't think skulls and grave rubbings are on that list. If you add the decorations of late fall plus Adam Ballinger, <laughs> then that's what you'll get. But you, you don't just normally you don't. I mean, you get leaves <laughs> and twigs, you know, um, but also add harvest foods such as pumpkins, squash, and root vegetables, uh, okay. um, dried leaves, and acorns. Um, you can put a cornucopia on there that has an abundance of the fruit and vegetables and put, you know, mold cider, wine, or mead up on your altar. Now, you can start out by prepping a meal for the family and focusing on fruit, vegetables, and wild game if you have it available, which is all stuff that you know, would have been abundant two, 3,000 years ago. Get a cup of, you know, a cup of apple cider or wine, some dark rye bread or pumpernickel, something like that, and make this your meal. Um, you know, consider some of those decorations that you put on the altar as your uh, table settings or whatever. Now, gather everyone around the table and say, here's a quote. This is what you're supposed to say. Tonight, is the first of three nights on which we celebrate Samhain. It is the end of the harvest and the last days of summer, and the cold nights wait on the other side for us. The bounty of our labor and the abundance of the harvest, the success of the hunt, all lies before us. We thank the earth for all it has given us this season, and yet we look forward to winter, a time of sacred darkness. So basically, it's a, you know, thanking, kind of, I mean, it. What you'll notice, and what Matt and I have noticed in doing this research, a lot of the early traditions that revolved around Halloween and fall and everything, we in America do a lot on Thanksgiving. You know, it, it's mm-hmm. that same kind of feel of thank, being thankful for making it through another year and all that. So these two 
celebrations kind of go hand in hand, you know, so you'll, you'll feel like, Hey, you're reading out stuff about Thanksgiving, you know, if you're in the U S or anywhere that celebrates Thanksgiving. Um, well, kind of, yes, but this is the original, you know, Halloween, all Hallows Eve, because it basically the same thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you know, Halloween to me, Halloween has always been the the celebration going into the holiday season. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the end of October. Summer is over. You know, it's gotten colder here. Mm-hmm. I, I came back from 85 degrees from the beach mm-hmm. wearing shorts and flip flops driving home to it was 50 degrees yep. when I got out of the van when we pulled in, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah, it, it's cooling off, and, and so you, you, it kind of puts you in the mood, you know? Sure. I mean, a really, like a 90-degree Halloween, which we have had before. Yeah, I grew it, up in Texas. You, We've had it. You just don't you just don't feel it, you know? Yeah. It's supposed to be a little bit cool, a little crisp, you know? And so I've always looked at Halloween as this is, we're, we're going into the holiday season. You've got Thanksgiving is just a few weeks away, then you're on into Christmas, and then after Christmas you have the... The dreary doom of winter. Right. And that, yeah, and that's basically what it is. I mean, you, you know, summer's over and there was a big association with death during the winter, you know, thousands of years ago because we didn't have the, the, the modern things that we have now to keep us alive. The, mm-hmm. the food where we can get any kind of food all year long. Um, if you didn't have a bountiful harvest, you weren't making it through. Right. So this is kind of a, a thanking the, you know, the gods, the ancestors and everything for making it through summer and hopefully making it through winter. Um, some other things that you can do nowadays to celebrate is, you know, make an ancestor altar, which is to honor your deceased family members at the ceremony. Yeah. Well, that's a cool um, idea. Yeah, I like that idea. Um, you know, you can do it by if you still have stuff of theirs you can put it out and remember pictures you know but memories are the best so you know but celebrate your ancestors who have passed before you um they're they say guide the spirits place a white seven-day candle in the window to guide the dead to the spirit world so help anyone that's left here on earth find their way to the spirit world and not stick around. There's a such thing as a seven day candle. Yeah. It, um, it's those big ones, um, that I, I use them as emergency power outage candles. Yeah. Um, you'll see them. Um, they have usually have saints on them. Uh, the big uh, tall ones. I didn't and, know that's what they were called. That's one of the things they're called. Yeah. Seven day candle because it supposedly has seven days. You can light it and it'll stay lit for seven days. So, I use them. They put off a lot of light, so I use them as emergency candles. I've got the ones yeah. without uh, just clear glass, and they're white, and I light those around the house when the power goes out. Okay. Um, but visit a cemetery. Um, that's another way to you know honor the the passing of family members, friends. Visit the cemetery. Uh, you know, clean up the area, make it look pretty and nice. Um, moving on to one that. You may not want to do hold a seance. Um, yeah, avoid. Right. And Matt and I would say probably avoid this. If Been you there, done that. If you don't know what you're doing, avoid this. Um, but 
This is so you can communicate with ancestors who have passed on before you. Probably end up communicating with people you don't want to, but yeah. maybe hopefully you would talk to your ancestors. So proceed with caution on yeah. that one. Come on, Uncle Phil, talk to mm-hmm. us. And it wouldn't be Uncle Phil. That's right. Um, the last one I have is bonfire magic is what they titled it. Um, you kindle a bonfire outdoors, obviously, um, and you kindle the flames in a fireplace if you can't. You know, uh, you do that inside. Write down some old habits that you wish to get rid of, and you cast these pieces of paper into the bonfire or into the fireplace, kind of as a, a symbol or, you know, imagining you releasing this burden of a bad habit and and kind of celebrating a rebirth before, you know, because it's the end of the end of the summer, beginning of a new season. Let's get rid of the old habits. And what better way than to symbolize, you know, symbolize it by throwing that bad habit into the fire and burning yeah. it up. So some of these I think are really good ideas. Um, one of them I don't think you should do <laughs> unless you, you know, are skilled. No, yeah, no seances. Um, but, I've done that. I've done a seance on Halloween. Yep. And it, it can be fun, but it can also. It was very, very scary. Yep. It can lead you into places you don't want to be led. Um, so that's basically Samhain, what it originally was and kind of how you can celebrate it now. And Matt's got some others let's let's tread further out into the uk area yeah so you know if if ireland is the birthplace of halloween it you know it's only fitting that the rest of the you know the uk right there um would have some pretty flamboyant weird strange whatever you want to say traditions as well so and and oddly enough a lot of them seem to have to do with with marriage. Yeah, and and I'm 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 assuming that's because all the stuff you're talking about with Samhain, you know, it's this, you know, we're 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 thankful, we're celebrating, mm-hmm. you know, it's the harvest, and this is new new life, exactly. you know, a new yeah. life together. So, not that it would necessarily be a wedding, but they they dealt a lot with divination, mm-hmm. you know, things that would predict um, your future, especially when it comes to, you know, young ladies wanting to know when will I marry or who will I marry or, or anything like that. Right. And like so, you said, it is the because of the rebirth and the right. restarting. You're, so, you were right. So in Scotland, it's customary to peel an apple right around the time of Halloween and you make sure to keep the skin in one long strip. Good luck. Yeah. That's tough to do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you if need you one can, of those little apple peeler things. If you can do that, you're a witch anyway. That's so. right. <laughs> you know, try to peel an apple with a knife. You're liable to cut your hand. <laughs> so you then, you, you throw the peel over your, over your shoulder behind you. Mm-hmm. And the way that the peel falls... You can look and make out um, an arrangement of now. I've seen it says arrangement of letters. Now, I don't. I don't know. 
Yeah. But but I think the, the idea behind it is it that it gives you the shape of the letter of the first name. Right. Of the man that you were going to marry. This was something that young young ladies would do. Um, another tradition that takes place around this time is young people will stand in a darkened room and gaze at their own reflection in a mirror. And you continue to do this until the face of the person that you are going to marry appears behind you over your shoulder. Mm-hmm. Now, creepy. that's creepy, but it gets more creepy. The legend says that if a skeleton appears over your shoulder, that you're going to die before you get married. Mm-hmm. Now, if I'm like, you know, a 19-year-old lady and I'm looking in this mirror and I see a skeleton, I'm like, oh, crap. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's coming soon, probably. Why would you want to know that? <laughs> that's you right. Know? I'm like, if there's even a chance that that's going to happen, I don't want to know about exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> I don't want to find that out. Chris, if you came to my house, there would be a fake skeleton set up so that when you stood in the dark room, it's going to show up every time. Yeah, somebody would be like <laughs> raising it up behind you. Exactly right. Um, so the, the jack-o'-lantern has history in the UK. It's, it's not exactly an American tradition. Right. Um, but it grew out of the practice of carving, carving, carving. Like the you, carbine rifles? You can tell I'm, I'm, I'm trying to go low carb and it's not working. <laughs> so I've got carbs on the brain. Of carving uh, beets or turnips. That's got to, and I've seen a pretty big turnip. Yeah. That's got to be a big beet to think you're going to carve a jack lantern face in it. Yeah. And more um, skill. But the reason for this is because. Pumpkins aren't exactly in abundance in Europe. Um, the principle is the same. You know, you can carve any number of horrific faces, um, you know, skeleton faces, ghoul faces, you know, traditional jack-o'-lantern faces. And uh, some people have gotten, I've seen some pictures, I'm going to get really creative with yeah. these things. I mean, I, I've seen some pretty amazing pumpkin carvings, but to, to do that on a beet or a turnip, that, that takes a little bit of talent. Yeah. But there is a story, of course, that goes along with this tradition. Of course. Okay. And, and this is where, this is the legend of how the jack-o'-lantern started. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is the legend of Stingy Jack. So I knew him. People have been making jack-o'-lanterns at Halloween for centuries, but the practice originated from an Irish myth about a man named Stingy Jack. According to the story... Stingy Jack invited the devil to have a drink with him. True to his name, Stingy Jack did not want to pay for his drink, so he convinced the devil to turn himself into a coin that Jack could use to buy their drinks. Once the devil did so, Jack decided to keep the money and put it into his pocket next to a silver cross, which prevented the devil from changing back into his original form. Now, Jack eventually freed the devil under the condition that he would not bother Jack for one year and that should Jack die, he would not claim his soul. The next year, Jack again tricked the devil into climbing into a tree to pick a piece of fruit. Now, I don't know what Jack keeps hanging out with the devil. The devil's dumb, it sounds I'm like. I'm telling you, man, it's like one of the three stooges. Fool me once, shame on you. <laughs> but while the devil was up in the tree, 
Jack carved a sign of the cross into the tree's bark so the devil could not come down until the devil promised Jack not to bother him for 10 more years. Now, soon after, Jack died. And as the legend goes, God would not allow such an unsavory figure into heaven. The devil, upset by the trick Jack had played on him and keeping his word not to claim his soul, would not allow Jack into hell. He sent Jack off into the dark night with only a burning coal to light his way. Jack put the coal into a carved-out turnip and has been roaming the earth ever since. The Irish began to refer to this ghostly figure as Jack of the Lantern, and then simply Jack-o'-lantern. Hmm. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Pretty cool story. I'm amazed that I have not ever seen that story yeah. until I researched this. I, I hadn't either. But that that's the legend of Stingy Jack, the, uh, the origin story of the Jack-o'-lantern. Now, we went from pumpkins and beets and turnips. Um, there's another celebration in the UK that's called Punky Night. Now, Punky Night is a celebration related to Halloween that takes place every year on the last Thursday in October in the village of Hinton St. George in Somerset, England. Now, a punky is the local name for a jack-o'-lantern. It's possible that the name derived from is derived from pumpkin, but it's also been suggested that it comes from the word punk, which is an old word for timber, or spunky, which is a word still used in Somerset to mean the ghost of a young child. If you live over in Somerset and <laughs> know which one of those is true, holler at us. <laughs> That's right. So before punky night, children prepare punky lanterns. Now, nowadays, they can be made from pumpkins, but it's more traditional to make them from mangelwurzels, a type of beet normally used to feed cattle. Now, prizes are given for the best lanterns, and for that reason, the children are not supposed to get any help from their parents in making their punkies. Now, on punky night, children parade through the village of Hinton St. George carrying their punkies, many of them wearing costumes. And as they walk, they chant the traditional punky night song, and collect money for charity, which is a practice similar to trick-or-treating. The parade is led by the Punky King and Queen. Now, I found the words to this Punky song. Mm-hmm. Sing and, it, man. And it's terrible. Oh. So I'm not... <laughs> Never mind, don't <laughs> it sing it. It essentially is like, it's Punky Night, it's Punky Night, you know. Can't believe it's Punky Night, you know. It's it's more to, it, there's more to it, but it, it, I was like this. Uh, <laughs> I can't believe they make these kids sing this song. Um, but along with Adam mentioned this before, the the souling was a practice, and this is um, where children and the poor would go from house to house begging for soul cakes. So Adam had mentioned the soul cakes. The soul cakes are spiced cakes. Um, that are made with the understanding that the solar who ate them would in turn pray for the souls of the dead. Now, this harkens back to an ancient practice of dining with the dead. In later times, people decided against leaving food on the doorstep for dearly departed granny and instead decided uh, to give her some prayers so that she could get out of purgatory. That's better you than know, a biscuit. Now we just give kids uh, a Snickers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> If you're lucky. Yeah. 
This Snickers will get you out of purgatory. Mm-hmm. If you pray. Hey, you're not yourself when you're hungry. Have a Snickers. <laughs> That'd be a great <laughs> So those are some of the traditions that, you know, spread from Ireland, you know, into England and the rest of the UK. Right. So we've got four other little ones here that we're just going to touch on the areas, um, you know, real quick and move on. So in Austria, uh, they have what, you know, dead souls are welcomed back on Halloween night and you leave out bread and water and a lamp, um, which helps kind of, you know, light their way. Now, that sounds like some of the other ones that we've, you know, discussed in Germany, the people traditionally hide their knives on Halloween, and this is so that returning spirits won't get injured. Now, I don't know if this is because they think spirits are dumb or because the Germans have really sharp knives. Yeah, maybe both. It could be both. And But I did read that it was also believed that if they hid their knives, if a spirit came around that wasn't so friendly, mm-hmm. it couldn't use that knife to attack you. That's true. Um, and, you know, I would use this as if, if you're a German knife maker, I would use this as a commercial. Yeah. So sharp, it'll cut a ghost. <laughs> I would definitely use that as, as a selling point. It's my ghost cutting knife. See, it's so sharp. <laughs> most people shave hair with it. I cut ghosts with mine. So in the. I, I think, uh, I think, oh boy, out there at Stardust needs to talk to these guys. See, there you go. Get himself a German ghost cutting knife. Um, in the Czech Republic, it's common. It's a common custom to place chairs around a fireplace, one for each living family member and one for each of the family members that have departed. So it's basically just a gathering place for past and present. Now, in Poland, people traditionally leave doors and windows open, and this is so that it welcomes the spirits of visiting souls. Yeah. So, and, it, and it's bad luck if you don't. Right. You know, if you keep your doors and windows closed, then the legend says that you're you're doomed for some, you know, misfortune. Some bad, bad year. stuff. Yeah. So if you're in Poland, leave your doors and windows open. I don't know how cold it is in Poland around October 31st, but. Probably cold. Good grief. Yeah. Now, bundle up. <laughs> so let's move. uh Let's move over uh, across the Atlantic, and and we're going to talk about Mexico. Now, I think get more Pacific. I'm sorry, I... <laughs> Pacifically in the next physical the, year. Exactly. <laughs> uh, let's be Pacific and cross the Atlantic. <laughs> so, M- Mexico. I think pretty much everybody, at least in the United States, knows about the 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 Mexican tradition. Yes. Of the Day of the Dead or Dia Dia de los Muertos. There you go, oh, Dia yeah. de los Muertos. Yeah, see, Adam's from Texas, so I got it, man. He can he can speak some Spanglish, <laughs> seriously. Yeah, um, but this is a celebration to honor those who have passed away. It is believed that the gates of heaven open up at midnight on October thirty first, and the souls of children return to earth to be reunited with their families for 24 hours. On November 2nd, the souls of adults come down from heaven to join in the festivities. And, you know, especially here 
in the U.S., the the Day of the Dead has made its way into the American Halloween. Oh, yeah. In a big way. Oh, yeah. I mean, when you go now and you go looking for Halloween decorations, you're going to find sugar skulls. Yep. I mean, even even the Walgreens down from my house has a set of figurines that is a skeleton mariachi band. Yeah. Yep. You know, so, I mean... That's not traditional American Halloween. That's that's an exact. That's that's a Day of the Dead, right? You know, decoration right, right there. So, and I don't know if it's um, because of you know the Mexicans that have immigrated to the United States that it is it is kind of blended in with Halloween mm-hmm. so much, um, or if it's just the proximity. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, hey, the Day of the Dead's cool. Let's see if we can capitalize on this yeah. in this country. Well, too. <laughs> I know for me, you know, I really like uh, the the traditions and what you do around Dia de los Muertos because it's very it's very reverent. Yes, and and you know, it speaks to me a lot more than a lot of what we do in the United States for yeah. Halloween. Yeah, I I don't I don't really see that you know the American Halloween is is really reverent in any shape not or form. it's probably more irreverent than anything oh sure but as we said at the top of the show um a lot of countries use this time mm-hmm. to honor their dead right and you know that's it's a very special thing to them this is not you know it's not a holiday for for the sake of of marketing and, and selling decorations and costumes although that's done but the idea is, you know, y- you need these things to help honor your your dead family members. Right. right. So um, the holiday is celebrated with in-home altars full of fruit, peanuts, turkey, soda, hot chocolate, water, stacks of tortillas, and a special holiday bread called pan de muerto, bread of the dead which are left as offerings for weary ghosts. Luckily, they're not made of the dead. That's right. Ugh, I don't want that. <laughs> dead bread. For the souls of children, families leave out toys and candy, while adult souls will, uh, will be left cigarettes and shots of mescal. So, I'll hey, take it. I'll take it. <laughs> Any of the above. Right. Well, not the cigarettes anymore. So. Yeah. Um, but families will vivid, vivid. I cannot talk tonight. Families will visit the graves of past loved ones as well, bringing personal possessions from the deceased. Um, And that's one of the things I really like, you know, because if we're going to bury our dead, we shouldn't forget about them where we bury them. Right. You know, and and the, the Day of the Dead is very, you know, go visit the graveside, clean it up, and and respect your dead relatives. Yeah. You know, don't just leave them there and forget about them. Yeah. If you've got kids, or heck, even if you don't, um, but if you've got kids, you've probably seen it, but the movie Coco, mm-hmm. it's, it's a fantastic movie. It's an animated movie, but you know, it, it, it really has a lot of references to the day of the dead. Um, and, you know, his, he goes to the land of the dead to meet all of his, his old family. Right. And it, it's just, it's really, really cool. Um, 
you know, I, I didn't, I didn't think I'd enjoy it. My kids love it and I've, I've watched it and it's, it's a great movie. So if, if, you know, Della de los Muertos is something that you're interested in. It's a, it's a good, it's a good movie. Yeah. You know, um, plans for the day are made throughout the year, including gathering the goods to be offered to the dead. Now, during this three day period, families usually clean and decorate the graves. Most will visit cemeteries where their loved ones are buried and decorate their graves with ofrendas or altars, which often include orange Mexican marigolds. Now, the orange Mexican marigold is considered the flower of the dead. Um, Flor de Muerto, the flower of the dead. So I'm just I'm just practicing my Spanish now. Yeah. You're doing good. You're doing good. <laughs> now, these flowers are thought to attract the souls of the dead to the offerings. And it's also believed that the bright petals with the strong scent can guide the souls from cemeteries to their family's home. Mm-hmm. Now, as I said, toys are brought for for dead children, um, Los Angelitos or the Little Angels, and bottles of tequila, mezcal, or pulque or jars of atoll for adults. Families will also offer trinkets or the deceased favorite candles on the uh, candles, candies on the grave. Now, some families have a friend in their homes, usually with food such as candied pumpkin, uh, the bread of the dead, and sugar skulls. And the ofrendas are left out in the homes as a welcoming gesture for the deceased. Now, some people believe the spirits of the dead eat the spiritual essence of the ofrendas food. So the celebrators eat the food after the festivities, but they believe that it lacks any nutritional value. Right. Your ancestors have taken have it. Taken it. So I, I need some of that food. Yeah. <laughs> no, I need to be able to eat and have no nutritional full, value. You yeah. feel full, but you don't get fat. Why are you losing so much weight? Well, yeah. I'm eating all this food from you know, Dia de los Muertos. That all food. my all of my ancestors have taken all the nutritional value right. out. It's great. Yeah. You got to try it. <laughs> <laughs> now, in some parts of Mexico, people will spend all night beside the graves of their relatives, and in many places, people will have picnics at the graveside as well. So it's a it's a really really great tradition, um, you know. Uh, it's a celebration, you know. It, it's yeah. it's not a hey we're going to build up this big commercial holiday and we're going to you know. It, it's it's a celebration. It, it's a way to remember, you know, your your past family members, and it's a way to to honor your own family. Right. You know, it, it's not just something where you just say hey you know this is a party for a party's sake. Right. You know, this is this is a little bit more serious than I think a lot of people give it credit. Yeah. So, well, they see the bright colors and they see the sugar skulls and, and, you know, they, you know, ignorantly think that it's like the U.S. tradition of trick or treating. You know, they don't see the meaning behind it. And and the, the, you know, to me, I think of. We're we're getting into more of the ones that are, you know, reverent and and mean, you know, something to the people. And this one to me is probably one of my favorites just yeah. because of what it means and what, what you do, you know, it's not just a give me candy or I'll egg your house kind of thing. You yeah, know? and you probably saw more of this 
growing up mm-hmm. than, than I did in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just been within the last 10, 15 years that this is more common that right. you see this stuff in stores and, and whatnot. But growing up in Texas, yeah, and, you know, and it was probably there for a long time. You know, I have a lot of family members who are, you know, from Mexico, and, and so it, it's very, you know, it is a very uh, pronounced tradition. And and I, maybe that's why I still have some draw toward it. Um, if I liked more colors than black, I would have it in my house. But if they yeah. made more like sugar skulls in black, I would put those around. But they're just yeah. too colorful. There's no sugar skulls in the graveyard. No, they're they're too colorful. But there should be. There should be. I, I'll get one and we'll put it up. <laughs> um, now let's move over from Mexico. And let's run through some quick ones in the Asian countries. Um, and and we'll tread back over, you know, toward the Atlantic, as Matt said. We'll, we'll tread back over that way here in a minute. Um, but in the Philippines, uh, the Filipino version of Halloween is known as a well, son of a b- <laughs> I, I should what have, a strange name. Yeah, right. I should have practiced this more. Um, I practiced it, but uh, uh, this is very difficult. Um, I'm going to give it a shot. Pang Ang Alulua. It's P A N G A N G A L U L U W A. So if anybody is from the Philippines and can teach me how to say that, please do. Um, could not find a really good pronunciation of that anywhere. <laughs> so please teach me how to say that. I don't like mispronouncing stuff that bad. Um, but kids traditionally will go house to house singing songs in exchange for candy or money. And the idea is that children's songs help those in purgatory to finally reach heaven. So it's a lot like a couple others that we have talked about. Kind of the yeah. same, that Getting same people mindset. Out of purgatory. Right. Um, Now, in Hong Kong, this is one that probably a lot of people will have heard of. Halloween is known as Yulan or the Festival of the Hungry Ghost or the Hungry Ghost Festival. Now, for a 24-hour period, spirits are supposedly allowed to roam the earth once again. People will also burn pictures of fruit or money to offer comfort to those who have passed over to the other side. The Hungry Ghost Festival usually falls on the 15th day of the 7th lunar month, and according to traditional Chinese belief, the 7th month in the lunar calendar is when restless spirits roam the earth. Many Chinese people make efforts to appease these transient ghosts while feeding their own ancestors. So it's ancestor and just any other ghost who decides to walk by, you know, to appease them as well. Now, in South Korea, uh, Koreans have a celebration similar to Halloween that's called Chusao, and I think I got that right, um, that's held mid-September. Families come together to thank relatives and ancestors who have passed away. Families will gather to enjoy time together and give thanks to the ancestors for the plentiful harvest that they just had. The women of the family also prepare an ancestral memorial ceremony that's called Shari, C-H-A-R-Y-E, and I don't think I pronounced that right. They fill the table with food, including newly harvested rice and fruit, and they celebrate Chusao by making these special foods. 
And there's a certain kind of rice cake that they make, and it's made with finely ground new rice, and the dough is then kneaded into small round shapes and filled with sesame seeds, chestnuts, red beans, and other similar ingredients. And these rice cakes are arranged on layers of pine needles. Then they're steamed, so it fills the home with this fragrance of autumn. So it's kind of like um, dual action. You get potpourri and food at the same time. <laughs> you know, um, I know my grandmother um, usually around fall will boil on the stove, you know, water with cloves and cinnamon sticks uh-huh. and everything in there to kind of, you know, smell up the house. And this kind of does the same thing, but I can't eat the stuff grandma does. Right. You know, I would puke if I tried that. Now, see, now, now I'm, and I don't, I make, I don't make this for fall. It's, it's a Christmas thing. Mm-hmm. I've got this, this punch that does the same thing. Oh yeah. But you can drink it. Right. But I've also got a thing that you can put on the stove and get that fragrant yeah. smell. It's got cranberries and everything. In it. You can't drink it. Right. Right. So well, the, you gotta, you gotta be careful. Yeah. Be careful at Matt's house, which one you drink. <laughs> Um, good thing though, about the Korean tradition is that you can eat it. Um, and it probably tastes pretty good from the description. Mm-hmm. It sounds like it tastes pretty good. Yeah, this show's making me hungry. Um, another Chuseok tradition in modern day Korea is that of gift giving and Koreans will present gifts to not only their relatives, but also to friends, business acquaintances and, and people in their lives to just show appreciation and thanks to them. Um, now, if you look around supermarkets and department stores before Chusau, you will encounter a huge variety of gift sets on sale. Now, just like in Hawaii, spam is a big deal in Korea. So spam, being as extremely popular as it is, uh, you can get gift sets of a bunch of different spams and spam related products. I want this. And it's. It's one of the most popular gift sets to present during this time of year. Listen, if you, if any of my family are listening to this right now, I know what you're getting for Christmas. Yep. The yep. spam gift the set. The spam gift set. I'm and you. I'll I'll show you where I found the the stuff. You'll you'll like it cuz I kind of want it too. Uh, I got a can of spam in there right now calling hey, my look, name. Bacon flavored spam? Mm-hmm. Jalapeno spam? Skin, yeah, in a skillet? Yeah. All you people out there that go spam! Oh my god, I can't believe you eat that. It's delicious. Yep. I mean, it's fry fry <laughs> up some spam, put it on a sandwich with yeah. some hot sauce and some cheese. I'm telling you, man. We, hey, we, Southern boys. Sorry, that's right. You know, you know, yeah. It's like I would I would fit in great in Hawaii or Korea. I've figured out now because they both like spam. Just just for that reason just alone. Just for that reason alone. <laughs> now. There's one other. Y'all know what Adam looks like. Yeah, right. Would he fit in in Hawaii or Korea (laughs) at all? Probably not. (laughs) Um, Now, there's one other area that I kind of believe I would fit into, and we'll get into that kind of at the end here uh, of this, but that's Japan. Now, I have a buddy who is from Japan, lives in Japan. His name is Yuta. Um, And so when it comes to certain stuff like this, I'll contact Yuta. And talked to him. And I, I did. And he was real excited to tell me about Halloween in Japan because it's kind of a new thing for them. Yeah. 
um, only in the past decade or so has it really taken off. Yeah, early two thousands is what I read. Yep, that's that when they when it really started. Yep, to to build up. Right, and you know it, it's pretty different from the way we celebrate it here, but it's pretty similar because Halloween kind of made it over there, but. They don't go house to house saying trick or treat. Yeah. And this is because there's a strong concern in Japanese tradition about being bothersome to others. They don't want to be a burden. They don't want to be a pain to others. I wish we had that. So exactly. (laughs) So going door to door would be seen as a giant inconvenience on others. This is why I want to move to Japan. (laughs) For if no other reason, I don't have to have people coming to my door all the time. I bet they don't have telemarketers in Japan. No, no. And because you would be, you know, bothering people and it would be doing a great disservice to everybody. I I need to move to Japan. I'm telling you this. Um, But Halloween is not celebrated at night, usually. um, And it's not for children. Kids don't really participate in Halloween. As we go, probably here in the last year or two, probably more children are getting involved in it. But a lot of what it is, is for adults who are into cosplay that want to dress up. Can you imagine the costumes? I mean, from the country that that brought us cosplay. Mm -hmm. They're elaborate. Elaborate. Dudes with World of Warcraft costumes that look like they walked right out of the game. Yeah. Can you imagine what their Halloween costumes are like? Look up (laughs) Japanese Halloween. You will be amazed at their costumes. Um, You know, they sometimes throw costume parties um, that are at like bars or whatever, you know, places that serve alcohol. So so the, the adults will go dressed up and kind of have a it's a kind of a cosplay party or whatever. So the dressing up is there or trains. Right. Yeah. Did you did you find anything about that? They they will in Japan, they will actually have people that will essentially take over train cars and turn them into a big mobile party. Nice. Just show up, get on there and just kind of start playing music and drinking and everything and just ride around. There you go. That works, man. Yeah. That works. Also something I wish we did here. Yeah, right. <laughs> we need more trains here. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah. So it 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 kind of it, it resembles Halloween from the states, but you know, in in a kind of different way. I kind of like the way they do it. It's you know, if you want to get dressed up and go, you get dressed up and go, but you don't go bugging your neighbors to give you candy, and you know, kids really aren't involved. They, you know, they're at home sleeping, and their older siblings get to go out and do it, but. You know, it it's it seems pretty cool to me. Um, I may have to go to Japan and experience Halloween one year. I mean, they they've essentially taken American Halloween and made it made it their own, made so it that better, it, made it so that it would fit with Japanese culture. Exactly. You know, and it is pretty cool. I mean, when you think about, especially when we're talking about the origins of Halloween and and how how they date back centuries. To talk about an entire country, especially one as modern as Japan, um, just adopting it within the last 15 to 20 years. Right. 
you know, that's pretty cool to me. I mean, you know, yeah. I think I think the U.S. ought to do it. I think yeah. we ought to we ought to find somebody's really cool holiday and go. Eh, we're just gonna start doing it here. Yeah, we do that with other stuff. Well, though. we did it with Oktoberfest. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you can't you can't swing a dead cat around here without finding an Oktoberfest, right? You know, going on somewhere. You know, and that you know, big German festivals and everything here. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we 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 did it in that manner. So I, yeah. I think it's pretty neat. You yeah. know, when I grew up, there was no Oktoberfest. You know, you knew what it was, but there what you couldn't go down the street. I mean, the Oktoberfest in Nashville is so big now; it's four days. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it used to be like a, a you know a, a weekend. You know, now now it's four days long. It's a huge deal. I refuse to go just because of all the people down there. It's crazy, man. It's so much fun. You, but you, you may know. get me drug out there, but I don't know. But you know, I I drink beer, right? So yeah. I, I I like it. You know. I, I like that kind of beer, and you know it's a lot of fun. That's that's about the only time I ever drink that much beer. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, it, it it's cool, and you know, I, I think it's great that you know Japan has essentially adopted our Halloween. So um, now we're gonna we're gonna spin the globe a little bit more, and we're gonna go to Spain. So sp- Spain is a little bit different in Spain. Halloween is known as El Dia de las Bruchas, the Day of the Witches. Now, Spain borrows some of the traditions from the United States, which, you know, of course, originally came from Ireland and Scotland. But each region of Spain has its own unique flavor to their Halloween celebrations. Now, in the northwest, in in the northwest of Spain, the region of Galicia Calls the night of the 31st of October, Noite dos Calicus, which is night of the pumpkins. And I probably butchered that. Word. I could not find a pronunciation for the Spanish word for pumpkin. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's, that's what it is. I don't know it. Yeah. Well, it's got one of those. Um, what's, the, what's the word? The little apostrophe thing above the U. Is it a tilde? I don't know. Not a tilde. No. Whatever it is. Somebody, it's not an umlaut. That's the dot. You know, somebody will tell us. Don't worry. Yeah. I don't know. Somebody, yeah, somebody will let us know. But whenever I see that, I don't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> so, but on the on this night, people carve pumpkins, have costume parties, bonfires, and sometimes go trick-or-treating. A particular tradition of Halloween in Galicia is the quemada. It's a strong drink concocted from, now I knew how to pronounce this before the show. I'm going to try it now. (laughs) It's aguardiente. Ha. Aguardiente (laughs) is a strong alcoholic drink made from fermented fruits or vegetables. It's mixed with unground coffee, sugar, and lemon rind or orange peels. And the custom is to make the quemada in a hollowed out pumpkin and drink it after reciting a spell, then setting it on fire. So when the flames subside, a hot tan-colored liquid is ready to drink. Now the legend says the first sip purifies the soul by banishing evil spirits. The second sip clears the mind of prejudice, and the third sip gives rise to passion. So pretty cool. Mm -hmm. It's like a flaming Dr. Pepper in a pumpkin. Yeah. Uh, 
Now, in the small village of St. Philo Cesara in Catalonia, there is a witch festival at Halloween. It honors the 23 women who were sentenced to death for being witches during the Spanish Inquisition. The festival is called Fira de las Bruches, uh, or Fiera de las Brujas in Spanish. Now, on the night of Halloween, a parade goes through the village, and on All Saints Day, there are dancers and stalls selling food and crafts. So, that's how they do Halloween in Spain. Um, and, and, you know, again, we're, we're talking about, you know, a, a country that has adopted traditions from, you know, all around. Mm-hmm. You know, the you know, the trick or treating traditionally, you know, from the United States, you know, the, the, the food and, and the festivities that, you know, come from Ireland and Scotland and England, um, you know, and then they've just taken it and made it their own. So, um, pretty cool. So yeah, uh, when we first started talking about doing this as a show, uh, you know, Adam sent me a message and I said, I think it's a great idea because I knew a little bit about how people celebrated Halloween around the world, um, but I didn't know as much as I do now. Right. And so hopefully you guys have found this interesting. So tonight's show is much more informative. Yeah. But as Adam mentioned at the beginning of the show, when you're done with this one, check back this evening because mm-hmm. we got something that's going to be quite a bit more Halloween oriented. Yep. Less informative, probably. Yes, much, <laughs> much less informative, but may, maybe, maybe a little more entertaining. Right. If, uh, you know, if you're really into Halloween and spooky yep. stuff, which if you're listening to us, you are. So, yep. um, if all the planets align and the spirits <laughs> cooperate. But, uh, as Adam mentioned too, um, you'll be listening to this. It will be after our live event. Um, so we will be, uh, be giving you some, uh, insight on how that went, how much fun we had and all the listeners that we got to meet and hanging out with Jerry and Tracy, uh, from Hillbilly Horror Stories and the guys from EVP Mediums and Macabre Melts. We're really looking forward to it because we're recording this just a few days before the live event. Right. Even though you're listening to it after the live event. Remember there's a time travel that comes along with podcasting. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> it, today for you is Halloween. For me and Adam, it's, it's we're pretending it's Halloween. It's just any other Wednesday. <laughs> In uh. Any other Wednesday. <laughs> Wednesday nights in the graveyard. Might as well consider us Time Lords. So, mm-hmm. uh, as I say at the end of every show, please go check us out on iTunes and rate and review us. That is the best way. If you've you're obviously already listening to us. Leave us a review and a rating because it helps move us up the charts, which allows more people to find us and brings more people into the graveyard. Um, follow us on Facebook and Twitter by searching Graveyard Tales. Get in our Facebook group. We've got over a thousand members in there mm-hmm. now. And I mean, it is just something all the time. It's a great spooky story. It's a good joke. It's a funny picture. It's a personal experience. Um, I mean, and and the community is fantastic. When I look at a post that was posted two hours ago and I see 53 comments on it, man, that just, it tickles me to death. Yep, I'm like, love it. you know, this is great. So, uh, 
you know, we've got some of the best listeners in the world and, and for them to hang, hang out in that group and, you know, communicate with one another and share all this. I think it's fantastic. So go check out our website, um, graveyardpodcast.com. Remember there you can purchase our, our merchandise. Um, you can listen to the show. You can become a patron. Thank you to everybody mm-hmm. who has done so. It's it's keeping us going. It's allowed us to to upgrade our equipment so that the show sounds better. Um, we can make it a little bit cleaner for you guys as far as the quality of the production. So that's what that money goes to when you donate to the show. And um, we like, got some like we promised, stuff we got some special more special stuff. You know, we've we put out some more Patreon stuff. We got more coming. Um, so please, you know, if you haven't done it and you consider doing it, you know, pull the trigger, help the show out and you get access to that exclusive content and you get some goodies too. Um, that's all I got, man. Mm-hmm. All right. Happy Halloween. Check back later tonight. And until next time, we'll save you a seat in the graveyard. See you soon.